0: It's time now for a smart, plain talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker a Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker.
1: I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections. It's Sunday, 4 o'clock. Bernie knows his way. What does that mean? It means it's the best hour in radio of the week. It is the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker. And each week, as you know, because many of you are regular listeners, coast to coast, you can live stream or tune in to 1280 AM The Patriot and hear Smart Plane Talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. That's what we do each week on Sunday on the Victory Hour from 4 to 5 o'clock Central. Uh, And you can hear it replayed on Freedom 1570 from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. But if you want it live and you're in New York... Eastern Time, 5 to 6, of course, you can live stream it. And we have folks out there, as well as on the West Coast, in California, in Seattle, down in Texas, up to Montana and uh, North Dakota, and even uh, certainly down in Florida. My good friend Rock Lamana listens each week down there and in sunny Florida, as well as many others. So, uh, thank you again and welcome to the Victory Hour. Today, we are going to talk hiring and the new economy, energy, and uh, who really controls it, poverty, who really cares. Oh, people talk about it a lot, but do they really care? I'm sure they do, you know, deep down there compassionate people, but, boy, you sure wouldn't know it from their policies. We're going to talk about poverty and who really cares. And then peace. Yes, the word so often cast about from hither and yon. Peace. Everyone wants peace. But again, what's in a word? You want peace. What are you doing about it? Well, Donald Trump did something about it. He brought about the uh, Abraham Accords. Joe Biden ended that. Nope, no more peace. Boy, but the uh, Democratic Party sure talks a lot about it, don't they? I'd like to see it. I'd like to see a little of it. We haven't seen much of it. it wasn't, no, There wasn't much of it in our uh, exit from Afghanistan, was there? No, there was death. That's what, that's what there was there. And, uh, how about the rest of the world? Yeah, it's burning flames. Oh, it must just be a coincidence. Donald Trump's not in office. When he was, it didn't exist. This wasn't going on. We're going to talk about, uh, peace and the lip service. So many, uh, throw that word around with and, uh, and that they pay to it. Just lip service, that's it. Uh, And then, uh, if we have time, I'm going to touch on some of the headlines coming out of Israel. We haven't talked a lot about Israel lately. Uh, Frankly, they like it that way when they're not in the headlines, because you know that the media machine, the propaganda machine, the... uh, PLO and Palestinian propaganda machine that has so captured the uh, liberal thinkers of the world that any headline is something dastardly that the Israelis have done. Or not any, but most. Uh, So being out of the headlines is uh, something that Israelis do not mind whatsoever. That is not their interest to be in the headlines. All they want is peace, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And if we have time, uh, again, I I do have a couple of headlines here domestically that are not being talked a lot about but but are worthy of mention. So let's look at... uh, hiring and the new economy. It is very interesting. You know that uh, back in 95, uh, I started uh, my first law firm, uh, leaving the large firm to uh, start my first law firm. I've started three now, all of them uh, successful. I'm close friends with all of my, uh, well, the other uh, partners that I had both in the first firm and in the second firm, and I am very fortunate and blessed to have had that experience. It doesn't happen all the time when law firms uh, end, Uh, but it certainly did here, and uh, I am grateful for it. Now in my third firm and and quite successful, Parker Daniels Keyboard. As you all know, go to parkerdk.com. You'll learn more about it. Uh we hire, and uh, the market is different than it was several years ago. Any of you out there who own your own business, who have, what, 10, 10 employees, 20 employees, 50, maybe 500? And the large corporate multinationals, of course, with thousands of employees, hundreds of thousands, know it as well. Uh, but the what what I have come to notice on job descriptions and job postings, not at our firm, but but I'm talking at, at larger firms and, and at some of the large corporations, is that preferred qualifications and even sometimes minimum qualifications is experience in working with, other minority groups. And I'm not raising that as a negative, but I'm raising it as something of interest, something that we hadn't seen before. Maybe we are progressing, we are evolving into a higher plane of consciousness, if I can say that, Uh, an understanding about how important it is for us to have experience in dealing with multicultural job and work sites. And so it has found its way onto job applications, job descriptions, postings. And I found that interesting. And uh, I smiled. I, I, I don't know that it is uh, uh, negative, as I say, at all. It is a recognition of the fact that the workplace, place that most of us spend the lion's share of our day, uh, is a place where we need to feel comfortable with all. And it will change how we relate to one another. But how does that translate into values and political views? We're going to talk about that uh, on the other side of uh, the short break we have coming up. How has the economy changed as the polarization of political views has become commonplace the disagreement the strong disagreement that you know uh, the left has with the right the right has with the left can they get along in the workplace some are saying no they can't and if you have certain political views don't apply here Now, they're not being overt in saying it most often, but you soon get the picture. And so you have a lot of people who are leaving. They are simply picking up and moving on. Stay with us. We're going to talk more about this new economy that we have and the fact that it's red team, blue team. How polarized is it going to get? During this short break, go to parkerdk.com for what is often referred to as an award-winning website. Premier law firm, downtown Minneapolis, Parker Daniels keyboard Go to parkerdk.com. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. It's the Victory Hour. back, it's the Victory Hour, I'm Andrew Parker and we are talking polarization, we're talking about the impact of political polarization on our economy, on the workplace, on the way we build businesses, on the way and to whom we sell product and services. It is a new economic equation in some respects. As those on the red team congregate with those on the red team and those on the blue team congregate with those on the blue team. Congregate meaning I am only going to shop at places that have the Black Lives Matter poster up in the window. Or I am only going to shop for my bedding and sleepwear at my pillow. Which, by the way, Andrew Parker strongly recommends. (laughs) And, And I will say that for a number of reasons, but most of which I have most of their products and they are outstanding. Remember, offer code victory, up to sixty-six percent off. Victory, use it. Go there. Uh, but but this is this is an example, and and more so if you do have a my pillow product, I will not buy from your company. This has now metastasized into polarization that has really affected the economy. We've had boycotts, and I'm not naive to this, throughout the generations, dating back arguably to biblical times, you know, boycott, boycotting and refusing to trade or barter or buy or sell to certain folks because of, ver- you know, for various reasons, some of them quite insidious, and illegal, such as discriminatory reasons. But others, because of their political views, not even their values. Their values may be the same as yours, but the way in which they want to achieve those value outcomes are different than yours. There are a lot of Republicans and Democrats that agree on values, they agree on freedom, they agree on uh, the right to vote and democracy and and peace and, you know, all those uh, good things. But because of the way in which they want to achieve those things, the other side says, oh, you claim to believe in it, but you can't really, because if you want to achieve it the way you're suggesting... That's a crazy idea. Forget it. So it's all about the way in which they want to achieve it. It's about the policies. Not the values. A disagreement in policies is now driving our economic structure. Disagreement in policies. That is what is new about this. I would... Suggest, uh, And I'm not talking about, you know, th- there have been boycotts due to disagreement in policies uh, for a long time. They usually don't va- last very long. And, but now it's about who you hire, who you work for, uh, is being driven by that. And it could be, it could be. That five, in five years' time, maybe ten years' time, if this continues, we will have blue team companies and red team companies. People will only work. And, and the, the, you know, the, the whole vaccination issue really brings this into focus because there are a lot of folks who worked for 20, 30 years at a company, who instituted, the company instituted a uh, a vaccination requirement, and they up and quit. The employees up and quit. Some of them, not even because they opposed, you know, they, they didn't want to get vaccinated. They would have done it. But the principle of it, where their employer was requiring it, caused them to leave. Others, because they just weren't going to get it. And medically, they did not want to get it. So they up and left. And, you know, there, are, there's a, a lawyer in town. He was going to represent somebody the firm didn't want. They, you know... Not because the the person didn't have a right to legal representation. And when he took on the client, the firm fired him. Uh, So it's making political statements through business that has reached a crescendo. Again, I'm not naive enough to think this has just started. It hasn't. Boycotts have existed for a long time, but I think it's at a different level today. And this blue team, red team economy is going to be something to watch. Issue number two, energy. Who really controls it? Well, are we going to control or are we going to import? energy? Are we going to control our destiny as it relates to energy? Or are we going to allow others, often our enemies, to control that? Do we have the ability to control our interests as it relates to energy? Well, I think Donald Trump proved that. We all know that we were energy independent by the end of Donald Trump's Four years. In fact, before the end of the four years. And that's what was inherited by Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden has decided that the Green Movement uh, takes precedence over sound energy policy, because no one could disagree that energy independence is better than energy dependence, particularly, but not not even just, but particularly when the dependence is on our enemies, or it strengthens our enemies, both of which we are seeing in spades today. But Joe Biden placed a priority preference on the green, green movement. Now, you can agree with that or disagree with it. It's not uh, you know, necessarily a bad idea to place importance on the green movement at all. You can agree or disagree. I happen to think that there is importance there. But everything is in priority chain uh, line and where you place it. So what is the impact of energy dependence? Who does it hurt the most? And should you put the green movement ahead of this when you consider who it hurts the most? Well, energy at the... What we're seeing today hurts the poor the most. Energy prices through the roof. If we had energy independence, we wouldn't have such an issue. So the poor is hurt the most. Well, apparently that's not a good enough reason. We need to start today, even though China and Russia and many others uh, are ignoring their carbon emissions, we need to start today and shut everything down, as including uh, oil refri- refineries and pipelines. So it hurts the poor the most. It hurts our economy tremendously across the board and weakens our economy. And as we have seen, it has enormous national security impacts as we rely on our enemies and it strengthens our enemies. What does it do? It funds our enemies' death machines. That's what it does. So in light of all that, do you think this carbon emission focus above all else is the right way to go in light of all that even if you were a liberal progressive don't you have to consider that I think so We'll be back after this short break. We're going to talk poverty. We're going to talk peace in a word. Then we'll get into a few other headlines. Thank you once again for joining us on the Victory Hour. Remember, your offer code VICTORY. Go to mypillow.com and order your goods. Victory up to 66%. I'm telling you. And the products are fabulous. Get those Giza sheets. I mean, they're just they're wonderful we'll be right back go to parkerdk.com stay tuned Victory Hour, and as you know, every Sunday, Smart Plane Talk, and that's all we're given. Today we talk some of the, well, the policy issues that raise curiosity in my mind. And I'm always trying to look for a way to reduce the polarization in our society. Bring about love, more love and caring and compassion. Reduce the vitriol and disagreement and improve and increase upon with all of our different frames of reference and life experiences. Of course there are going to be disagreements and misunderstandings, but to reduce those and to reduce the level of heat and energy that is brought to them. So you would think that on the issue of uh, blue team, red team in our economy and on the issue of energy and where it lands in importance vis-a-vis the green movement both of which are very important And maybe we ought to find a way to get clean energy, but while we're doing it, not decimate the poor, our economy, and undermine our national security. Because that results in death. Immediate. Short term. Not a thousand years from now, you know, the the oceans are going to overtake all the land. Now, listen, I'm not making fun of it and making light of it. it. It is something we need to pay attention to. But again, in perspective. The next issue we want to talk about is poverty. And my question, who really cares? Boy, we talk about it a lot. I mean, you remember Lyndon Baines Johnson. I'm sure you all do. President of the United States. Most of you remember him as the president during the Vietnam War. It's <laughs> not, not his greatest hour and quite tumultuous. But Johnson was a very interesting character. I think it was Robert Caro who wrote one of the biographies on him. Uh, I'll have to check that, though, because I'm not absolutely certain. But I'm just thinking it was. And if it was uh, the book I'm thinking of, it was was outstanding. a Great biography on Lyndon Baines Johnson. Anyway, Johnson, as you know, uh, launched the war on poverty. The war on poverty some 60 years ago. How we doing? How we doing on, on that war? Uh, one of the longest wars uh, that 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 have existed in our lifetimes, but we're not doing so great and and maybe it's because all almost all of the prescriptions for defeating poverty have come from the left. It is one of the biggest reasons why I am no longer viewed by most as a liberal because I was for most of my life. And this is, again, one of the biggest reasons. Why? The prescriptions to end and fight poverty, one of the most, uh, to me, one of the fundamental values we should all carry with us, and that is to bring everyone along on this experiment and journey that we are on in the United States of America and try not to leave anyone behind to give them all the opportunity for the American dream and that does not mean poverty. But these prescriptions from the left have failed repeatedly. How many times do you have to keep going back to the well? And of course we need a safety net But when you have seen poverty reduced, you will notice the fiscal policies in the White House have been conservative policies. Virtually uh, in every instance, and certainly when it comes to Donald J. Trump, who many say, you know, he's certainly not a classic conservative. So the question of who really cares, I'm not suggesting Democrats or liberals do not care about the issue. They do. In a good faith, I believe, generally, most do. But where does that fit in line with their desire for power? Because that's a big one for a lot of them, unfortunately. And it gets in the way Of smart policy. Now, I give Bill Clinton a lot of credit here. Bill Clinton signed into law one of the most important pieces of legislation, arguably against his own party, and that was the Welfare Reform Act. As you will recall, one of the biggest pieces of legislation shifting the obligations of the poor to go out and get work, get retrained, and get back in the workforce. And it was wildly successful. It had an impact on reducing poverty in this country. It had an impact on increasing self-esteem for people across the economic spectrum. And it reduced Substantially, the welfare rolls. It was a conservative idea, a conservative policy. Some Democrats supported it, and Bill Clinton pushed it across the line. It was really his legislation. But it was conservative fiscal policy, and it was smart. When you see somebody do that, that's someone who cares about poverty. Now, maybe he did it for power as well, because it was a triangulation process, you remember, with, who was it, uh, Dick Morris, who was really pushing that in the uh, Clinton administration. So, Donald Trump reduced poverty. He increased the median household income in this country, higher than it had been for decades. Uh, It may well have been higher than ever since we recorded such things, the increase. He reduced unemployment in minority communities greater uh, than ever in history. And more in the minority communities were employed. These policies the, 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 or these statistics didn't happen by coincidence. I'm sorry, they just didn't. The fact that you have the Abraham Accords, which I want to talk to now, peace and who gives lip service to it, is another example. That some may want to say, well, it was coincidence, you know, things are cyclical, and he happened to be in office at the time this happened. That's just baloney. And it's baloney because you see the failures in peace in the world that Barack Obama had, and Joe Biden, and as well that Joe Biden is now having. You know, you had Obama, Biden as vice president. Now you've got uh, Biden in there again. And the world is burning, and it was burning back then. But those four years when Trump was in, other than the fact that everyone was wringing their hands because he would say this or that on tweet Twitter, I would take that over the world burning. And by the way, this whole Russia thing, it did not happen when Donald Trump was in, despite the fact that the media wanted you to believe it did. And it wasn't because Donald Trump was a Russian agent, fools. It wasn't because of that. Because that wasn't real, as we now all know, after Millions and millions of dollars being spent. No, Donald Trump sanctioned the Russians, when in office with more strength than any president had ever. He took action, real action. Yeah, he talked a friendly game. But that's kind of smart, isn't it? And they weren't going to move. Oh, no. And and by the way, the economy was roaring in the United States. It did not roar with Barack Obama at any part of his eight years, even at the end. It was roaring with Donald Trump. And that was another reason that the Russians didn't go into Ukraine. And what about... Energy independence, as we already talked about. Another reason the Russians... So, it wasn't coincidence or happenstance. It's affected by real policy. When we come back from this short break, I want to talk a little bit more about peace and the difference between those who pay lip service to it, like Joe Biden and Barack Obama, and I'll give you policy examples as to why I say that, and those who are serious about it and who deliver it. Sunday, for the final segment of Smart Plane Talk, what about peace in the world? Well, let's see, the uh, Arab states have been at war since the reestablishment of the Jewish state of Israel from the very beginning. And for the first time ever, the Gulf states, several of them, enter into a peace deal with the state of Israel, their sworn arch enemy, even from statements just a few years earlier. That was with Donald Trump. It was not with the peacemakers... In the Democratic Party. Those that talk a big game of peace as they're talking to our enemies, but all they do is strengthen our enemies in order that they can continue their malign conduct. As I call them, they're killing machines. And Iran is perhaps the largest perpetrator certainly of a sovereign government anywhere in the world on ter- of terrorism and one of the largest and most prolific and deadly killing machines. And it is Iran that Barack Obama and Joe Biden Gave over $100 billion to. And now Biden is talking about doubling down on that. Not only that. They reduced. And reversed sanctions. And Biden is talking about doubling down on that. Not only that. They developed a a nice, a beautiful. You know, when they, when they're out there on the highway, those uh, the the highwaymen that are that are retarring the highway. You know, you know, putting uh, down uh, new cement, and it's real clean and pristine. That's the path to a nuclear weapon that Barack Ob- Obama and and Joe Biden delivered. In the JCPOA, the Iran deal from 2015. Do not be mistaken. Now It wasn't immediate and it caused delay, but it assured a nuclear Iran. Oh, what are you talking about? You're crazy, Parker. No, I studied that plan. I read all, I don't know, what was it? 115 pages of it, whatever. I spent time out in in Washington and on Capitol Hill meeting with these senators and congressmen. Some of them were honest, and they voted against the bill or the, the, the deal. Others said, oh, I'm voting against, I'm voting against, and they voted for it. Amy Klobuchar did that. I, She had her reasons, but I don't think they were good reasons. She knows I disagree with her on that. Well, now Joe Biden's back at it. And, you know, the paved path to that nuclear weapon was jackhammered up by Donald Trump. Well, he wants to repave it. And beyond that, that's Joe Biden who wants to repave it. And beyond that, uh, Joe Biden for the first time in presidents since the IR the the Iranian Revolutionary Guard has been placed on the international terror list which is where they belong this is Soleimani's group right he's no longer why because of Donald Trump one of the worst killers ever, Soleimani. He, uh, Joe Biden wants to remove the IRGC from the international terrorist. I mean, it's outrageous. He's talking about peace. How is any of that going to bring peace? It isn't. Peace is brought by strength. Ronald Reagan showed that. Menachem Begin in Israel showed that. Peace with Sadat. That didn't come with some peacenik, peace now, Israeli, you know, uh, protester with a placard. That came from one of the strongest conservative politicians Israel's ever known, Menachem Begin. That's where peace came from Egypt with Egypt. For over 30 years now. 40 years now. So, and nobody could have believed that that was going to happen. Peace between Israel and Egypt. Sworn enemies. War after war after war. That was brought about by strength. Ronald Reagan has shown it. Menachem Bagan has shown it. Donald Trump's shown it. Well, is the left going to finally understand that? No, I don't think so. And Joe Biden thus far has shown that he doesn't understand it at all. As they pay lip service to peace. That's what they do. And that's all. It's just, it's just not right. All right. What else we got on tap here? What's going on in Israel? Let's spend a minute or two on uh, what's going on in Israel. Um, I bet you didn't know that the Israeli Defense Forces have recently helped to boost Gaza's textile exports by over half by bringing in equipment to Gaza To help their economy. Gazans who are daily thinking of ways to kill Jews in Israel. You probably didn't know that. What about the fact that uh, Mahmoud Abbas is now 86 years old. He was elected to a four-year term to lead the Palestinian, uh, the PLO to lead the Palestinians. That election was in 2005. He's still still in power. That's Mahmoud Abbas. Yeah, he's 86 years old. I bet you probably didn't hear that uh, the Gazans, the Palestinians, are still building tunnels to get into Israel. Remember, they were all blown up not long ago. There's still, uh, there's simply, they won't let it go, and it's it's death and destruction. It isn't peace. Need Donald Trump back, maybe. I don't know. To, to bring peace between the Arabs and the, the Palestinians and, and the Jews. With Parker, a I thank you very much for joining us once again this be Sunday. Be we will be back next, people next people Sunday for another hour, the, time, hour. You the Victory Hour. Victory be with us until victory then. Have a great All week.
0: All the great things are simple, and many can be expressed in a single word. Freedom, justice, honor, duty, mercy, and hope we